You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone. Super excited to bring you my friend, Lori Harder, who is the founder and CEO at Light Pink, which is the best tasting, low calorie, low sugar, premium rosé wine seltzer created to help you drink and connect better. She's also got two books. So a tribe called Bliss, Busy Girl Cookbook, and she's got two podcasts, Girlfriends and Business and Earn Your Happy. She's got a lot of cool stuff going on. So super excited to bring her here. Lori, how's it going? Good. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I had so much fun talking to you on my podcast. So this will be a fun sequel. Yeah, it was great. And thanks for having me. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about, I guess you're doing a lot of different things right now. So maybe a little bit about your background and how it's led you up to these things. Because I never think it's like a linear path for people to figure out kind of what their vision or their quote unquote why is. I'm the most non-linear path. I'm going to try to make this quick. (laughs) I'm a wordy person. So we're going to actually try to squeeze this down here. I am from a really small town in upper Michigan and I was homeschooled through high school. I was also in a bit more of a restrictive religion, just meaning that I wasn't allowed to hang out with anyone outside of the religion that I was in. So take a small town, a smaller congregation, make your life very small. Essentially, I was in a really small circle, a very small bubble. So what I believed was just what I was seeing that was around me. And because I wasn't able to see a lot of other things around me, I carried a lot of the belief system of of the people around me that was more limiting. It was, you know, when you grow up in a college education, wasn't necessarily looked at as a good thing because we were just meant to serve and go door to door and talk about the Bible. And while that's amazing and that's great, I also started to experience a call outside of what the religion was asking me to do. Meaning my soul was starting to talk to me about like, Hey, I think that maybe you're meant to do something big. And that's all that was coming through for me was like, I just felt like I was going to do something outside of what I was seeing. And so for me, you know, I think with anyone in life, like that's a huge conflict when you realize that you want to start doing things that are outside of your family's belief system and that are outside of maybe your religious beliefs and that are maybe outside of, you know, all of the people that are around you. And this became such a huge part of my story because when I was 18, I ended up leaving that religion and and moving out and like being in a completely different world that I didn't even know existed and starting to make friends outside of what I grew up with. And for me, what ended up happening is for those first, you know, five years, I went a little crazy (laughs) and just did all of the things, you know, got myself into some seriously bad situations, hung around some really bad people. And I really started to realize that our life was dependent upon the people that we were hanging around. And in order to change, you needed to change your environment because I live by this and swear by it. And when I teach anybody about anything, if they have a goal, I always say, your environment is stronger than your willpower. So you simultaneously need to be working on your environment while on changing your environment, while you are also, you know, changing yourself and your belief system. So your environment, a lot of times, it's not just your house or where you're hanging out or what you're doing. It is who you're around, who you're listening to, what shows you're watching, what podcasts you're listening to, what books you're reading, because you will only grow as far as your friend circle. You'll only grow as far as that circle of people that you're listening to, to the news stations you're listening to, to to whatever that is. So my career actually started in the fitness world because my family was also really overweight. And that was kind of my first like 
almost like when you have those breakthroughs in life, when you hear that part of yourself, like your soul, like maybe you're supposed to be doing something else. It came during walks and workouts and runs. And I was like, wait, what is this? Like, what is that thing talking to me? Maybe you don't realize that, or you don't say it at the time, but that's when I was getting these glimmers of these things that I felt like I wanted to be doing. Like, you know, a lot of times for people, it's like in the shower on walks or runs or whatever that is, when you start to realize that there's more, you want to do more. So for me, my career started in fitness because it became a transformation for me. It was, I realized that I didn't feel, I struggled with panic attacks growing up, a lot of anxiety, a lot of just kind of depression and anxiety and that whole thing runs in my family. So I noticed that when I would work out, I would feel better. I felt a little more in control. And so I wanted to offer this transformation to people as well. So as I got out of my haze of like trying everything in the world and making bad decisions, I decided I wanted to be a personal trainer. So from there, I had the epiphany that being a personal trainer and working in a gym, you get really worn out really, really fast and you're trading time for money. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I could open my own spot. Ended up opening my own really small one-on-one studio and it started to get successful after uh, probably a couple years and same exact thing happened. And I also had an epiphany that I could help them work out all day long, but if they don't change their mind and if they don't change the people they're around and their environment, like I can't help, they literally cannot change. So that's when I started to really deep dive into personal development and realized I like personal development and helping people make money even more than I like the transformation of fitness because fitness can't be sustained without the personal development or the money. And so got really into just learning, going to masterminds about business and, and learning about mindset and then starting to put on my own events, which led me to writing books and doing events for about nine years, which then led me to one day waking up going, wow, crap, I think there's more because I'm waking up every day and I'm, I'm kind of tired and I'm kind of noticing that my anxiety is coming back. And I'm kind of noticing that I'm just doing things that I'm good at because it's comfortable. And I'm really feeling a call to do something a lot bigger and help people in a bigger way. And I didn't know what that was. And here we are now with light pink, which came about from the question of, I would ask myself on walks every day when I started to feel that way. Like when I started to feel restless and like, Oh God, I think there's something else coming. I'm not sure what it is. And I wish I could avoid it, but I can't. I would ask myself if I had all the time, all the money and all the network in the world, what would I want to be doing every day? Like what conversations would I want to be having? And you know, it really boils down, especially when you start to do the things that you want to do. Like I dreamt of writing a book, never thought that I would did that, you know, was doing the things I thought that I always wanted to do. And I realized a lot of the work that I had chosen was really isolating. And, you know, writing a book is really lonely. You're alone writing a book. And so I was like, maybe this is not the right career for me because I really want to be spending my days having up-leveled conversations with people and connecting and ideating and like marketing something or, or planning something or, or doing something together. And So when I really started to think about the things that I love and how I could connect that all together, I came up with this product idea of where are women connecting now? Because that's kind of always been my thing is helping women, you know, connect to the people for their next level. And I was like, oh my God, the mainstream women are connecting because I really want to, I felt called to hit like more mainstream women who weren't necessarily listening to podcasts yet, or, you know, maybe they're just starting to get that breakthrough. I was like, oh, they're connecting. Like they think they're connecting over cocktails and they're really not. Like they're probably just leaving these networking events like I was and these, you know, girls nights and they're feeling drunk and less connected than they showed up there for, you know? And so I was like, how can I make a more elevated experience and connect this brand to something 
that has more meaning, like to create a more meaningful experience. Cause I feel like life really at the end of our life is meaningless without more meaningful experiences. And I was like, well, I could have all female investors. I could have a give back component. I could, you know, have this be around like women's events. We could put questions on the back of the can. So that's where I am now. I raised $2 million, which I did not know how to raise money before this all fully female funded. And now we are getting ready to launch in June or July. Wow. Freaking amazing. And by the way, Lori, I have to know, unbiased opinion, even though you're biased, how good is it? Oh, I literally created an obsession worthy product and I was so annoying about it because they're like, yeah, we think you'll find a really good product in like seven rounds of trying it. And I I think we're on like, I don't know, I think it was like 22 or something. Awesome. I was like, I'm not stopping until this is something that I crave every day or I can't, I can't get behind it. Like I literally cannot get behind a product that I'm not obsessed with and I don't drink all the time. So freaking love it. All right. Awesome. <laughs> so just out of curiosity, because talking about religion a little bit, I'm agnostic. And I remember actually this was in Scottsdale. I went to my friend's place for Shabbat. The food was all amazing. Right. I was like, Oh, like how often do you guys do this every week? Right. I was like, dude, yeah. I- I'm going to convert. <laughs> and so I'm like, so I think, yes, Religion's a good operating system, right? If you're open to sharing, I'm assuming, were you Christian? Because you said the religion, right? So I'm not sure what it was. So my family's still in and I still fully respect it. I was raised Jehovah's Witness. So it you went three times a week. They just call it a meeting. And then we went door to door all of the time. So I actually did something called auxiliary pioneering, which is like 60 hours door to door. Wow. Um, yeah. I'm just fascinated because I was actually reading the other day, I think it was Patrick Bet David. He was like atheist for like the longest time and then he became religious, right? So I'm just like, I think you kind of went the other way, right? And so I'm assuming you're not religious now? I'm not religious, but I feel closer and more connected than I ever have like spiritually and into God, just because I I Mm. really think we all connect so differently. And again, like I just, I think I just want to say this because I do believe that some people really desire that and they, they crave it and they need it. And I think that it's just, you know, it's gotta be good for where you want to go in your life. Makes sense. Yeah. And that's, this is the first religious question I've ever asked on this podcast, by the way, <laughs> um, seven or eight years of doing it. So light pink, let's talk about it a little bit. How do you all make money? How does it work? What numbers are you comfortable sharing around the business? So it is going to be direct to consumer. And I'm really, really excited about that because of how much the laws have been changing in the past couple of years, even, even just this year. So it allows someone like myself, who is not a giant company to come in and kind of cut out the middleman, right? So you don't pay that 30 plus percent to your distributor. You actually get to put that more towards, especially if if, if you're somebody who already understands e-commerce, which this is what we've done, right? We've been selling courses and we've been selling books. This is my first like physical product outside of a book though. So it's very, very different, but it allows the smaller businesses to be able to come in and go straight to their customer instead of having to pay all of these distributors which is insane, right? You think you're starting this business and you're like, hey, we're going to, this is going to be easy. And if I was going to go into retail, which we, we may still do it, but it requires, you know, hundreds of thousands of people literally doing sales and distributing and, and going into these stores. And it's quite complex in this industry. So 
We are super excited. We want to, I mean, for the first year, we just have projections over a million dollars, which feels extremely attainable to me. I'm really excited about that because we've done that in courses before. So I feel like having an actual tangible product will be really powerful. And I went really strategic with my investors and made sure that they all had something either to offer or they had an audience or they had an email list or they understood e-commerce or, you know, maybe they have some sort of background in something that could be really useful to the company. So we have over 50 investors and they, for the most part, all of them are pretty on board with, you know, launch strategy and, and getting things out into the world. I love that. That's super smart. So all your investors, I guess, what's the breakdown? What percent would be like super strategic versus has has an audience versus like, I guess the other stuff that you mentioned? I would probably say 60% is super strategic. And I would say the other ones have something to offer, like whether they just have like a smaller group of people and they are diehard fans. And sometimes those are the people who actually get your product at the most. I got a chance to talk quite a bit to Josh Landon, who created St. Archer. And he actually ended up selling that company and then selling another company. And he was like, you know, I partnered with like all these big influencers and I thought that they would really move the needle. And while it helped seed and get things out there, he said it actually wasn't them who moved it the most. It was like these smaller diehard people who just wouldn't shut up about it and got just were the most passionate. He said they were the people who went to their grocery stores. They were the people who wanted it, you know, in the bars that they went to, like, as much as you think it's going to be those bigger people, sometimes it's those, it's better to get those people who have a lot of those smaller audiences. So when I heard that I was probably about 50% full at the time and I just flipped it. I was like, I'm going to go with these people who desperately want to get in, who want to be a part of something because it means so much to them. And they're going to be my people who every month they'll do an unboxing. They'll, you know, bring this to all of the parties that they're going to. They're going to be so freaking proud of it where, you know, it's not that the bigger maybe celebrities or influencers aren't bad, but it's not necessarily on their radar all the time to do that because they might have their own stuff going on. So it really kind of flipped how I looked at, especially this type of model and beverage, where it really is going to be something where I think people are going to, they're either going to catch on to it and be obsessed about it, you know? So like really looking at who are those people who have that passion and get it, like get where, what I want to do with it. That's super smart. So I do want to talk about the podcast, the books, the masterminds as well, but what do you think is your, your launch strategy coming out? My launch strategy is everything, Eric. <laughs> literally putting it together because it is direct to consumer. We are doing a lot of like smaller influencers. We're doing a lot of email marketing because a lot of my investors do have larger email lists. So we'll be doing different things like that, where they also probably get different bonuses. We're going to be doing an auto ship. We're going to be doing a membership so that once they even get to the site, they're triggered to want to be a part of whatever we're creating. We think we're going to do some sort of like, I don't know, some sort of like membership levels for it as well. We're creating affiliate programs so that when they, you know, if they hit different levels with being an affiliate, they'll either win trips or they'll get to come to some of these investor dinners or, you know, they'll get to be a part of our different meetings that we meet for just different things that are really incentivizing them. So right now we're doing a lot of survey monkeys on like, what does that look like to incentivize you? Like, what do you get excited about? And I can't tell you how those are so freaking important because what you think, like, you'll have a pretty good idea. You'll be pretty close on some stuff, but like, I was surprised at what they wanted, like as motivation, even for giveaways, like some people wanted product, but some people like want, like they want like a 
Louis Vuitton bag. Like they, then they're like, that's what would get me to go and do this thing. I'm like, okay, well, great. We'll use that instead. So, you know, you can get so specific with your people on what motivates them instead of just us guessing around what motivates them. Got it. I love that. Super smart audience, full blast, and a lot of customer development. Love that. I'm looking at your podcast right now. So you have your own, which is Earn Your Happy, and then Girlfriends and Business, which looks like it's a new one. And you have it with some partners too, some that are pretty popular as well. So <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about it. We just launched on Monday. So we're like four days in, which is awesome. And you know how a podcast launch goes. It is, it's like firing on all cylinders for the the eight, like, you know, that kind of like eight weeks of trying to hit new and noteworthy as well. For that, again, a lot of emailing Monday morning, I actually spent seven hours texting every single friend that that I had in my phone and asking them to go share, rate and review it. So I've become an unapologetic asker, but it's, you know, I think the reason I feel so more than fine doing that is because I have been a nonstop giver for a lot of years. And also just, you know, and you know, Eric, when you do a podcast, it's like, you put so much free content out in the world that when it's time to maybe ask for a favor, it's like, okay, you probably feel pretty okay about, about doing that because you do have this beautiful spot for people to come and learn and, and it's nonstop, right? Like you dedicate so many hours of time doing that, but it is, it is a muscle. And I think that after asking for $2 million, I was like, okay, I can ask for anything. Like, I don't feel bad anymore. Cause that was, that's probably one of the hardest things you can do as a human is ask, like ask other people for money. But I do believe that if you are really convicted with your message and you get really rooted in your message, it's not, it's simple, right? It's not that hard. It's challenging. You get nervous, you get freaked out, especially in the beginning when, you know, I can, I can tell you like the first 10 phone calls I had, I had no idea what I was talking about. So my best friend phrase became, I don't know that answer yet but I'm going to get that for you by tomorrow. I probably said that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times throughout raising this money. And I actually think it's it's probably the thing that got people most interested, believe it or not. I had a couple of people say, because you said that so many times and you got me the answer the next day, I knew that you were the person who would be able to find any answer while creating this company. And that's why I'm investing. I've literally had multiple people say that. And I was like, it's so much easier than we make it. And if you're willing to just put your ego aside and keep asking, and then also, you know, keep showing up for people and and giving without wanting something in return. I love that. So it's kind of the power of vulnerability in a sense, Mm -hmm. right? Totally in a huge way. Absolutely. Got it. So you mentioned the courses earlier. So are you still doing, you know, I guess coming out of this pandemic right now, are you going to be doing the, the retreats or masterminds? Are you still continuing to do the courses right now? Well, my husband, we do some stuff together. So he really takes the lead on that. But yes, I show up for a lot of the things. We actually just filled one that we do twice a year. It's called Fast Foundations. It's for more entry level, like $500,000 and below who just want to take their business online or, or scale their business online. Usually someone who has, you know, courses or a product or someone who's speaking or different things like that. But Chris is also super just business savvy in general. So we are still doing that and I love it. It actually really keeps my finger on the pulse of where people are at. So I'm not doing as much as I was. Like I used to do a lot of courses and in women's events and stuff. And what I'm going to do is just shift that all under the light pink umbrella. So I'm going to take what I was doing and now I'm going to just put it as it's more business focused. It's more entrepreneur focused. The events will be instead of like personal development heavy. So I'm taking what I've already done and learned and all of the things. And I'm just like pivoting it over. 
Got it. And so how are you, because there's a lot of different projects going on. How is your team structured? I guess, who are the kind of the key people keeping everything going? So it sounds like you're your partner. I, I do want to talk about that in a second too, but yeah, who else do you got? So we have my brother-in-law, who's actually our COO. He runs everything kind of on that like mastermind and courses side. So he does our ads. He like runs the funnels. He does email sequence, all of that fun stuff. And then we have an event planner, Dakota, who she's the person who kind of like does the customer service and front facing of like the higher end masterminds. We have another girl, Emily, who's amazing. She actually helps create a lot of the courses and some of the backend experience for the user. And she also helps with some customer service on some of our things. We have my brother that we just hired and it's like a whole family affair over here. And he's going to be doing like a lot of like assistant work along with helping managing those programs and some of the masterminds as well. So we kind of like have that team over there and they have now this year, we've actually had meetings on how do we kind of get me out of that? So I'm pretty much out of a lot of that. I'll come in Mm -hmm for like initial high level, maybe ideating on some of the mastermind stuff. And then it kind of just shows up on my calendar. Like we need you here, here, and here. And then I prep for it. And then there's my light pink team that I've actually contracted a lot of people out for this. So my goal when I started this was I was actually quite inspired by Hailey Jenner because she only has eight people, I believe on her team. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Okay. Love that. Let's see if it's possible. So I contract out a lot of people and it's been working so beautifully. So I am a huge fan, like my media company right now for just marketing and ads and everything. I went with a company called Hawk Media and I'm really loving the experience. We're going through a lot of like figuring out exactly who that customer is. What is that brand messaging, story branding, all that fun stuff. So working with their team who this is what they do all day. So that feels really, really good. And I get a whole team, right? Like every call I get on a call every Monday with like seven people where if I hired in-house right now, I would probably have one. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. And so that's been really great. And I know that people have a lot of different experiences, you know, with different agencies, but I've had enough experiences with agencies that I feel like I really knew what to look for. And also how important talking about your communication style is if you go with these different teams, like saying what you need, how you work best and what you expect from the beginning. Like you can't just go into these and think, cause there's going to be a bit of like, you're meeting a whole other team and how they speak and how they operate. And like, I think what people do sometimes with different agencies is number one, maybe they go with someone because they just heard they were great, but it might not be the one for you because maybe they don't communicate as much as you need, or maybe they're not going to get done what you need, but you didn't ask them like what they even like, what's all entailed in what you're doing. So just a little advice around going with contractors or agencies is like the more clear that you can be and the more that you can say your needs from up front and what you expect, the better your experience is going to be. So I told them from the beginning, like I need a lot of touch points and that's what I've been getting. So I feel really good. Oh, that's good. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, your mileage may vary with any agency. So I think it's it's good perspective for sure. And so your spouse is your partner and then you, you have a lot of family members. So I guess what should people avoid, right? What are the mistakes to avoid? Oh my gosh. When working with a partner, (laughs) well, Chris and I made all of the mistakes in the beginning. So I have plenty of things that you can avoid. Okay. So he came from mortgage and finance, like the banking world, and he worked with 95% or more men. And it, you know, think like, I just feel like I can sum his career up when he was younger. Cause this was like 2000, you know, before the recession hit, we actually lost everything in 2009 homes, cars, everything, but it was like boiler straight up like boiler room. Like that's what it felt, felt like. So picture him coming home from that type of environment. And he was a, a district manager of like four 
four states. So he really did work with like thousands of men. So he came home to me who I'm very like, I feel this way and I'm following my gut. And here's, here's what I'm thinking. And here's how I want to talk to these people. And here's how I'm going to email these people. And he came home and he was going to help me with my business. And then we also were, had become a part of a a network marketing team at the time, which he was so against, but he ended up seeing the income I was making. He was like, okay, I think I can really help with this. So he ended up quote unquote, not retiring, but coming home and was talking to me in like this horrible, like management, like helicopter manager. Like it was awful. Like, why are you doing that? This is what we need to hit. Here's the money. Here's what we need to do. Like fear, like super fear-based. And I had a moment where I was like, I actually think I married the wrong person. Like him coming home made me think I was in the wrong relationship for me. And so for about a year and you guys, we were like seven years in already at this point. So I was like, crap, this is not good. Like I was having really bad feelings. And so instead of just like, we were fighting all the time, he was, I'm sure he was feeling the exact same way. We were just annoyed with each other. And so we go on walks. That's what we've done since the beginning of our marriage. Like we walk actually every single day. It's, you know, if I could ever write a marriage book on like how to save your marriage or how to like make a better marriage, it would be 500 pages and every single page would only say go for a walk. So literally we were, we were on walks and we're like, look, this is like, what's not working. And I was like, I, when you say this, like, we didn't really understand that we were actually learning how to speak to each other in the way that you actually are supposed to speak to each other. So I was like, when you say this, it triggers me to feel this way. And those weren't great conversations at first, right? It was like, "Eh, well, you throw another wall up and you don't get too far, but we just, we wouldn't give up because we both had decided we had asked the question, what do we actually both want? And it was, we want this to work and we want to stay together. So then you have to ask different questions. Then you really do have to like, after that, be like, okay, what would have worked better? If, you know, Chris to me would always be like, when I need to talk about money goals that we have to hit for our life, how would you like to have this conversation and what words should I not be using? So I had to sit and think about that and create that for myself. And then he had to do the same thing. Like I had to do the same thing to him. Hey, here's when it's not good to talk to me about this. Here's how I would like to hear it. Here's the things like I have to feel really good and excited about things to hit goals. And if I feel fearful, I shut down. So he had to come at me in a totally different way. Like, why is this, you know, and at first he would like did this condescending thing. Like, are you ready for an exciting conversation about a goal? I was like, don't, don't even do that. So, you know, in the beginning you do those things, like you use these triggers, but we were very committed. Like, what do we want? And so we had to keep coming back to like, what do you actually want? And then create the conversation around that. Because you guys, what, what we don't realize is we're all speaking totally different languages. Just like what I said with these, with these different contractors and companies, like you're expecting that this person who's operating, you know, like this business over in Greece, speaking Greek is now going to come and you're going to just live happily ever after and work together in this most amazing way. And what you do is you have to find a mutual language. So it's not like you go to one side or the other person goes to the other. It's like, you really are learning a mutual language and how you, how you can like dance together in that. And that is the best business advice I have ever gotten is like, even if you're in a relationship right now and you feel like that person is like not treating you well, or they're not understanding, or they should just know if you haven't had a specific conversation around it, you don't know. And it's not going to get better. And you're probably going to repeat this experience over and over in every relationship. And you'll think it's everyone else. And it's actually you not being willing to like create this new language and new way of working with other people. 
Have you read Crucial Conversations before? No. It sounds like it's exactly what you guys are doing. It's basically uh, because you did this, because you did this, because you did this, I feel this way. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful too is like, I have one friend, he hasn't fought with his wife for 20 years, but he has like, I don't know if you're familiar with Traction op- Entrepreneur's Operating System. So yeah. he literally modeled his, his, like they have weekly meetings, right? But it sounds like you are doing the meetings daily, talking about issues daily, right? So that's like 7X basically. So Oh my, it's been so powerful because we get so much more done. They don't eat at us. You know what I mean? They don't. And I think that's why teams that operate well and communicate and do have like maybe a, a daily touch point that's quick. Like it's structured. It's quick. It's not, you know, you're not like, why am I in another stupid meeting? Like it's just the important stuff. And I feel like that's what comes up on walks is like, it's just the important stuff. And then it's also just quiet or gratitude or whatever. But I do think the faster that you can, Chris and I call it like matchsticks, like every day, like you just have all of these little, like all these matchsticks that light up. And it's like the faster you can blow those out, you won't have a raging fire. You can't, you know, get a hold of, like, you'll always be on top of it. Love it. Three more questions, Lori. So talking about peer groups slash masterminds, what's your take on them? How many are you in? What have they done for you? All that. I think that they've been one of the fastest ways that I've ever accelerated in anything that I've done, because I think for us to believe it's possible, we have to see it like in a group that's around us. So we can see it online, right? But it's like when you're actually in a room and someone's talking to you or what they actually did, or or I think masterminds are powerful because the ones that I have been in, they're pretty vulnerable and they share their, like what their struggles are and maybe what the launch actually looked like, like this, oh, we did a seven figure launch, but we, we spent seven figures on ads. Like that's the most powerful thing I've ever heard. I'm like, oh, okay. Then I was beating myself up over here for what was actually considered a good launch, but nobody told me it was a good launch. Cause I'm comparing myself to this launch that looks that's fake. Cause you didn't get all the details. So that's been huge is for me to be able to see what it actually looks like and what it actually takes. All it really is, is it's like the unveiling of strategy. And sometimes it's the unveiling of, you know what, they're willing to work harder than I am, or they just put way more time into it than I did. And also, you know, masterminds are great for networking. Like you're, again, this is going to just wrap it all up and take it all back to the beginning of you're only going to go as far as the people in your environment. And they, when you join a mastermind, it becomes an environment for you. Things become possible. You get the strategy, you get the ideas, you get those people, you get the connections and it makes it so much easier. Like if you're looking for a good person, this person probably has the person that you need. Or if you want a session doing this, this group probably has someone who knows how to do a session that you need to break through something. So it's just an accelerator. Call it a mastermind. Call it, maybe it doesn't even need to be a mastermind. I've been in masterminds where just my friends and I create structure. I did one for four years every other Thursday. And it was just with other women who were in business. And I can truly, it's what I wrote my book about. I literally wrote my entire book based off of that. And it changed my entire life because it was accountability. And it was just, it was like getting through the lessons really, really fast. Like things that I'll just, for example, like when I was writing my book and trying to get a book deal and I was on meeting like number 20 of people being like, "Eh, this is basic, this isn't great. Or, you know, you don't have a big enough audience or whatever. I would book calls with those women, like after the calls that I would have with these publishers, no, not knowing if I would be celebrating with them or crying with them. And what happened for most of them is it was them saying, get back up, 
who cares? What's what's on the docket for tomorrow? Like, who are you going to pitch tomorrow? How, we, how are you going to get through this? Where a couple of those calls would have taken me three weeks to get through because they were so, you know, not fun or harsh, or I'd feel like, what am I doing? Like, maybe this is terrible. And instead it's your comeback rate, right? Like masterminds and friend groups are your, make such a fast comeback rate. And that's what matters in business is like, how fast are you learning from that lesson, applying it and going back? Because that's all it is. It's like a feedback loop. So it made me so aware of the feedback loop, but we also were human. So we need to support ourselves around the feedback coming back. And if you have support around it, you get back even faster. So it's one of the biggest things that I use in my life to just move faster and get through things faster. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it doesn't like you don't need to be doing seven, eight, nine figures or so. You could be, you know, lower than that. I mean, you can be working somewhere. There's nothing wrong with that too. And you could be getting colleagues around you just to help you yourself level up, right? So it yes. works out well. Yeah. Yes. Lori, what would be your favorite business book? That's not yours. It's partial business, but it's it's Jamie Kern Lima's new book for sure. Cause she talks all about building her cosmetic company, which she sold for a billion dollars and just becoming like the person who's a CEO. Like that is like so incredibly good, which I, I actually bought every single book that you referred to me the other day. So I'll be reading those soon. Love it. Amazing. <laughs> Even uh, I think, what, what is it? The Tao? Is it? I, ha- I can't the remember. The Tao of Charlie name. Munger? Yeah, I have it on my desk. That's a fast one. You'll love that one. Okay, great. It's sitting there intimidating me, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) No, it it will not intimidate you for sure. All right. Final question. Favorite business tool? You know what? I am a connecting ninja. I just, I am so interested in relationships and I love helping people. I love talking. I love like learning about them. So I'm going to say podcast. I literally have gotten so many investors after interviewing them with my with my podcast and just like everything good has come from yep. podcasting and connecting. Podcasting is honestly a, a cheat code and it's it's not dying anytime soon. So I love it. Well, no. Lori, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Right now I'm spending most of my time at Drink Light Pink and also Lori Harder on Instagram. Lori Harder on Instagram. Make sure you check out her podcast, both of them. She's amazing. Lori, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you for having me on. I so appreciate you. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.